No more mocks. This is a real deal. Want to talk about the draft? Call, text, or tweet us. Now, NFL Draft Central on the home of the Bills. WGR Sports Radio 550. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Something happened? No. <laughs> I'm not. No. Um, you had actually, to be yeah, there. Some, something, yeah, you did have to be you there. Had to something be there. did happen, though. A kicker and Isaiah Spiller came off the board. So we got our first kicker of the draft off the board at 124 to the Cleveland Browns, a team that did need a kicker. In a pick that I think I really like for the Los Angeles Chargers, they take running back Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. They stop his slide, and that is a really good complimentary piece to uh, Austin Eckler, a guy that I think they desperately need to get someone to play with that they can trust and give the ball to on a more regular basis. Austin Eckler just end, ends up getting too, uh, injured too often. That's a guy that I think they need uh, to play meaningful football in December uh, for them if they've got aspirations of being a uh, Super Bowl contender, which I'm sure they do. Let's go to the Western Hotline now because jo- joining me live from One Bills Drive is Syracuse.com and New York Upstate's uh, very own Matt Perino joining us to talk a little bit about the draft. Matt, good uh, good afternoon to you. Have you uh, how, how much candy... Uh, free candy have you consumed over the last Ooh. two days? Um, uncomfortable amount. I woke up today and really started to feel it. Um, a lot of Kit Kats. Mm-hmm. We had a couple yes. Reese's Cups thrown in there. And, you know, the Reese's Cups are in that big bowl, and they just they go down like candy, literally. literally. So yeah. we're going to back off of that today. We're going we're gonna to gear down. Can you pocket some for me? There's extras. There's definitely extras. (laughs) I'll see what I can do. Yeah, there's definitely extras, Prino. Don't even lie. All right, buddy. So let's talk a little bit about yesterday and, uh, of course, Thursday as well. I want to first get your thoughts on the Bills' first-round pick, Kyrie Elam. Um, Sort of your your thoughts about how this fits. Um, I know Brandon Bean. I know the player. They both talked about how, well, you know, he's got to earn it. He's not going to be the starting corner without, you know, coming in and really earning it and beating out Dane Jackson. I get that's what what everyone's supposed to say, but Kyrie Elam's the day-one starter, uh, opposite side of Tredavious White, unless Tredavious White White is, you know, going to take a little time to move into this, right? That's the biggest thing uh, for me. And you go back and you you look at Levi Wallace's arc, and you know he fended off all this competition for four years. There was no first round draft picks uh, that he had to compete against. So I think Dane Jackson is going to be formidable competition for Kyrie Elam, but he's going to be given every chance unless he looks inept, which I, I don't see that being the case. I mean, the guy's already flying back home. Uh, I think the Florida with a with a playbook in his hand. So I'd imagine he comes into camp. Uh, he he takes some strides in mini camp, and then obviously training camp. I, I love the pick. I I had uh, Kyler Gordon as a guy that I thought that they were maybe zeroed in on a little bit more, but it ends up being Elam. And the stories that we heard from Brandon Bean, like when we, when he was in town for his top thirty visit, you know they just fell in love with the with the kid, the person. And sometimes that's that's so important. I wrote about this. When we're, we're talking about these evaluations, like we could talk so much about the player and do we, do we like what they do on tape? All right, there's some tackling issues. Is that going to fit in their building? Sometimes the, the biggest difference for all of these prospects when you put them side by side is how are they going to fit in? How are they going to be willing to work and learn and develop? And from, th- th- we could talk about that too in a little bit with Terrell uh, Bernard, who, which I think that's another reason they maybe went a little bit early on him. But I think Elam is a guy that they think has all of the intangibles, all the traits, all the measurables. Um, he's big. He's fast. Four three nine, 
40-yard uh, d- uh, dash. That's the number one time of the top seven corners in this draft. So hmm. they need speed. They need it. They, they got speed in the division now with Tyreek Hill. And I think Kyrie, Kyrie Elam is one of the, the first answers they're trying to find. I wanted to ask you about Bernard, too, so I'm glad you kind of brought him up. Listen, I mean, if you just go off his last performance in the Sugar Bowl, 17 tackles and the defensive MVP of that game. This guy, you look at any evaluation, you look at Lance Zerlines, you look at Dane Brugler's, you look at whoever you find, they all sort of say the same thing about Bernard, which is a tackling machine, undersized, speed, but the guy just has a nose for the football. Where do you expect him to play out this year and as an immediate impact? Does he maybe, does this give you maybe the ability to cut a little extra fat off the salary cap and maybe move on from a Tyler Matakavich? You know, potentially, if he comes in here and absolutely becomes that special teams ace in year one that, um, you know, everything you read and everything you hear about him, it, it, there's potential there. The thing with him that I think is, is great is, first of all, measurables-wise, if you look down the road a couple years, Matt Milano's a guy that they love, and, and he is a huge piece in this defense. But he, stay, he has trouble staying healthy every year. And if you start to project long-term two, three years down the road when that contract runs up, this to me is a move that it gives you some options and some depth and some very cost-effective depth should things kind of go awry with him at some point. They're paying him a lot of money, and rightfully so. He's very important to what they do. But in the in, immediate, what I think he's going to be is, like you mentioned, a special teams guy. I think he's going to be that A.J. Klein compete with Tyrell Dotson for that first linebacker off the bench if, if uh, Tremaine Edmonds or Matt Milano gets hurt. And maybe even, Nate, like when they're in some of these matchups against really high-octane offenses, they're going to face a bunch of them now in the AFC. He could be kind of like a movable chess piece that you can get, you know, Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott, get creative with how you use them. If you're getting absolutely torched in the game with some of these drag routes and some of these get the ball in, in the hands of fast playmakers, he's somebody that's got some play speed, some blitzing ability that maybe you want to get a guy like that on the field. Just a quick update here uh, with the 127th pick. The Patriots actually got somebody that I really liked in this draft, which is uh, it's seemingly been one of the most difficult things for them to do is just <laughs> find find a player that there's even a consensus what was draftable, um, but they draft running back Pierre Strong, South Dakota State, uh, a guy that really, I think, had a great uh, pre-draft process, um, I, I'm going pretty high for a South Dakota State player. But Matt, um, I want to go back and ask you kind of more of a, a broader picture question about the addition of a linebacker in day two, which you know I know people will look at as a, as a third-round pick, and maybe that doesn't have a lot of um, you know a lot of value or weight to the roster itself. It doesn't. Like in a vacuum, this doesn't have to be an indictment or have to be a, um, a a chess piece move to what this linebacker position looks like next year. We know with Tremaine Edmonds playing out his fifth year option this year, he's due to be a free agent next year. This doesn't have to be some like rabbit hole conspiracy. You know, he's the next you know replacement for Milano or, or Tremaine Edmonds here, right? Like this can just be he was one of the best players available on the board, and they do think there's a, there was a fit and a need there for depth at at the linebacker position. Yeah, and AJ Klein, like I mentioned, he meant a lot to this defense. And unfortunately, that's a you know six million dollars is a lot to pay for. Unfortunately for AJ Klein, what he brought to the table, but as important as it was. So now you get a young guy in Terrell Bernard who can come in here and kind of learn the whole system. There's a couple really good depth linebackers in Dotson and Andre Smith 
you know, that you know, they have. But I think both of those guys can be pushed for a spot. And Bernard, if you like him as much as you do, and obviously the coaches did their due diligence, they sent uh, Bobby Babbage, the new linebackers coach, uh, in for private workouts, and he came back and just raved about the kid. And so he's already got his master's degree, guys. He's like, he spent five years in school. He got his master's degree, uh, all this different stuff that he's been studying. Uh, he's a really smart uh, dude that loves to play ball. And you know how that, that, how that adds oh, up yeah. in their room. But you, to your point, yeah, it doesn't have to mean anything for anybody else. I think it's a player that they really like. Dane Brugler had a fourth-round grade on him, but if the Bills had a higher grade on him, they're not going to pick again right now until the fifth round. So, you know, they wanted to go out and get a guy that they liked. And I asked Sean McDermott or uh, Brandon Bean about that. Was he sticking out on your board? And, and th- he basically said, yeah, I, we, we liked him that much. Now, to your lineman point, I think you brought it up a minute ago. You know, a lot of people wanted, like Dylan Parham was there, yep. Sean Ryan, a lot of those interior linemen that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. I think... And I asked Brandon Bean about this. The fact that they didn't go interior offensive line means that they are envisioning a role for Cody Ford on this team. I'm not necessarily saying a starting role, but as that number one interior piece off the bench. And I know that makes a lot of Bills fans uncomfortable, but Brandon Bean said he still believes in, in, in Cody Ford. This is the first offseason that he's not having any surgery at all. He's going to come into uh, minicamp and training camp healthy for the first time. And Aaron Cromer is really excited to start working with him, which is something I've been talking about since they made that move. Maybe a new voice in that room will be the kind of thing that Cody Ford needs to take the next step. And also, I thought Cody Ford low-key was pretty good when he got in in the last couple games last year. Yeah, we were saying that yesterday. um, They they have really good depth on the offensive line all of a sudden. I just don't think it's as a pressing need right now. And, And they can still add some quality depth on day three. Matt? The one thing that uh, managed to get a lot of favorable uh, reviews was, of course, the second-round pick of James Cook out of Georgia. And looking at what that can do for the Bills' backfield as there's someone that is a dynamic pass-catching option for you, one of the underrated things that it will do is hopefully try to bring out the best in the room in general. Uh, A lot, of course, about the much-maligned season of Zach Moss last year. Devin Singletary does bring a lot of good stuff out of the backfield. But what does the addition of Cook really do for this Bills offense potentially being able to take another step forward? You know, one of the things Brandon said yesterday, and it's something that I don't think anybody would try to argue that the Bills had enough of last year, was run after the catch. I mean, this is a guy that you can get really creative with how you use him, where you line him up, get the ball in his hands, and let him go. And I think having a player like that, like one guy that you can rely on in those kinds of situations can open up so many opportunities for everybody else around him. I heard, I was listening to you guys on the drive in and and talking about, you know, the one need at that receiver position is that long speed, that deep threat, right? I mean, talking to Cook yesterday, I think he views himself as that. I think he's going to run down the field. I think he's going to go at corners. I think he's going to go at linebackers when he's in mismatch situations and try to take the top off the defense, as crazy as that sounds. And I think that's why Cook or Brandon Bean was talking about him yesterday. The first thing said is we kind of view him as like a receiver. And so I know a lot of people wanted Sky Moore. Um, you know, you've got been talking about Calvin Austin, all, you know, interesting pieces. But with two locked-in slot guys and Isaiah McKenzie and James Crowder, I just don't think they necessarily have the need for that. So I think Cook kind of fits a lot of different buckets for what you know the Bills might ask him to do. Matt, how about elsewhere in the AFC East for this weekend? What's more interesting to you, the Jets and kind of being seen as the winners of the weekend or the Patriots and basically <laughs> just getting laughed at for three days? 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like we it's been a it's been a couple months of just laughing at the Patriots, right? I mean, it started the the the, the very highs of high, and looking back at it, like should the uh, the win game really have been that big of a high? I mean, they they won a game where their quarterback only threw it t- three times, mm-hmm. and then they just got absolutely embarrassed by the Bills two times, and you know it just seems like they've lost you know their fastball. Like I, mm. they they don't have an identity. Mac Jones is. This quarterback who has some ability, but I don't know if they're putting pieces around him to even try to make him successful. I I don't really get the Devontae Parker addition. I don't think that he's the kind of receiver that is going to take Mac Jones's game to the next level. And so what are they doing in the draft? I mean, they add an interior offensive lineman in the first round. I mean, you have so many other needs, especially in the defensive side of the ball, guys. They, They add a slot corner in Marcus Jones. Great. I mean, they have some serious questions on the outside now without J.C. Jackson. So, you know, they're losing a, a bunch of linebackers. I don't think they've addressed that yet, really. And uh, I think that they're wor- I think that they're worst team in the AFC East right now. Uh, I, I know too. that that mm-hmm. might be a little bit of a bold prediction, but I liked what I saw the last two weeks of the season from Zach Wilson. And we covered Josh Allen, right? Nobody's like Josh Allen. I'm, I'm not trying to use like uh, some type of weird uh, example or parallel but Zach Wilson showed some things that if he can kind of extrapolate that out a little bit and be just an average player they have talent on that Jets roster on both sides of the ball and and I think Miami's in that second class in the division and obviously the Bills at the top all right Matt we'll appreciate you buddy thanks for hopping on with us here and chatting about the draft uh, I'm sure you'll be on the station at some point this upcoming week or the following uh, so we appreciate you as always man enjoy the rest of your afternoon yeah, you too, guys. Have a great weekend. Appreciate you there. Uh, Matt Perino there of New York Upstate, Syracuse.com, joining us on the Western Hotline. Just a quick update on some of the most recent picks. The run on tight ends has definitely started, uh, and it started at number 23, 128th overall. The Baltimore Ravens selecting Charlie Kohler. He's the tight end at Iowa State. Uh, six foot six, 2,000-yard career, uh, multiple red zone touchdowns, a nice big target, a good tight end, too, uh, for a team that utilizes the tight end more than any team in the league. And there has been a lot of consensus, a lot of uh, talk on Twitter uh, just about how good this draft has been for the Baltimore Ravens. And it seems like they're just taking good player after good player. They're sort of just taking the top player they they also the Ravens, who are of course up again Punt uh, God is not the first They drafted a punter that's not the Punt God. Jordan Stout out of Penn State. And he is Stout, by the way. Six foot three. Way to live up to your name, right? Sorry. We should end the show immediately. Uh, Listen, when you can get a punter pun, you're going to get in. Uh, that's There's not many punter puns. That, that was one of them. Um, all right. A punter in round four that wasn't Matareza from uh, San Diego State. And by the way, we also uh, glossed over New England taking a running back in round four when they already have Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, and James White. Don't be surprised about that. James White's gone. They just resigned him. Yeah, I know, but he's done. Is he though? Yeah. What, why is he done? Torres Achilles last year. He's Did, done. Was that what that was? Yeah, he's done. He's shot. So wait, no, they have Damon Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, and who else? And James White. But I guess if they don't have James White, they did. They just probably did something Brandon with him Bolden too wise, somehow. Though. Brandon Bolden, who's like forty-eight. Are you sure he tore his Achilles? Oh yeah, it was a nasty injury. It was a hip injury. Okay. <laughs> I'm tore the Achilles now. He tore the Achilles in his hip. Tore the Achilles in his hip. That's we'll where show, we'll show the that's good where your Achilles this is, right? Is that's where it goes all the way up. This is now the Achilles. If you can see it on Facebook, there it's you go. Uh, it is what it he is. He signed people. a he signed a two year <laughs> extension with them in March. I, th- I think, you know, 
it's a, just a weird one. New England's got they got holes and they they're got holes, but they're back, filling. And they're somehow filling Brandon other Bolden's still going to make the roster. This is funny, John somehow. Scott. John Squat. John Scott. John Squat. John John Squat. Squat. Uh, if he ever really wants to get into lifting or anything, that could that could be his new nickname. Yeah. Uh, Pierre Strong Jr. Pierre yeah. Strong Jr. is the running back that New England took out of Sandy or uh, South Dakota State. Uh, he's nine for nine, two hundred eight yards and six touchdowns as a passer in his college career. And John tweeted, "Mac Jones now his competition." <laughs> wow. <laughs> they didn't. They nine, didn't need a mobile quarterback. Nine for nine, two hundred eight and six. That's actually really good. That's a career. Um, okay, Titans taking Hassan Haskins here. But that like also, that pick, that for them. But Joe, also, that would require the Patriots to be fun. That's right. They usually go the other way. They convert yeah. quarterbacks into uh, into other positions. Um, okay, so what, what, what do we think the, the summary is of round four so far from a Bills perspective? That if we wanted a tight end in round five, that's looking less and less likely because they're all going? Well, speaking of less and less likely, Isaiah likely is the guy here that is still uh-huh. on the board that I think I would maybe most be interested in the Bills going mm-hmm. after. He's kind of got that Dawson Knox athletic hybrid type tight end feel to him um if you're looking for a guy that could potentially replace knox next year um uh, maybe I, I i think the conversation around dawson knox is an interesting one we'll probably have that at some point today as well because i think he should probably be the the next prioritized player um mm-hmm. to be to be signed and extended by the way the bills are up at the if you're wondering the 25th pick of the fifth round so they got quite some time and we are currently at pick 26 of the fourth round. So, so we've, we've got, an entire we've got round. 12 additional picks left of this round uh, before the fifth round picks up. Yeah, because we have compensatory picks to, to deal with as well, right? Uh, Hassan Haskins, yeah, the running back of Michigan to Tennessee. Um, they funny it's stat a big boy. I love, it's a point, big boy. love pointing out this stat that I dug up about a couple months ago on Tennessee. Their running backs not named Derrick Henry, Jeremy McNichols. Adrian Peterson. Who did they draft? Dontrell Hilliard. Who did they draft two years ago? That's not there anymore. Um, Darrington Evans. Yes, Darrington uh, Evans. But all of their non-Derrick Henry running backs last year averaged more yards per carry than Derrick Henry, with an average of more defenders in the box than Derrick Henry did. And they are missing two of their starting offensive line. I like Hassan Haskins, the Bills. by the way. I, as much as I hate Michigan, I like Hassan Haskins. Sneaky little dynasty uh, third, fourth round guy there. I think. Ah, yes. Tennessee Titans football, where we hearken back to the 1970s. Yes. Uh, Catch the fever. There's another receiver, by the way, to Green Bay. Romeo Dubes of Nevada to the Packers in round four. Okay. You know, know, they did not go for the big... The big name at the wide receiver position, but if they end up with Dubes and, and Christian, Watson. Christian Watson, that's a good young group. And maybe throw like to me, I keep I, I, maybe I'm bringing up Julio Jones' name to every single open position at the wide receiver position across the league because I feel like a he went to the worst possible place last year in Tennessee. Injuries all year long. He never got off his feet. Literally, he had that had the hamstring injury. He just never really uh, got 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 started for the Tennessee Titans. But he went to a team that throws the ball fifteen times a game. Um, so I never thought it was a good place for him to end up. Um, so for me, Julio Jones in Green Bay with if if your top three were Watson, Jones, and Dubes with Allen Hazard, uh, 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 Allen Lazard, and... Sammy Watkins. No, that's right. They've got Sammy Watkins, they signed, too. They signed the Lizard King. Um, Randall Which Cobb. is funny, because Lazard is there. And he's they have the Lazard, Lazard and the Lizard King. <laughs> um, they just kind of have this mishmash, though, don't they? Yeah. Like they, they don't have... Especially when you lose Devontae Adams. 
you know, it's one thing when we talk about the Bills conversation like this. It's you're replacing whose targets? You're replacing Emmanuel Sanders' targets. Yep. They're replacing Devontae Adams' targets. <laughs> like, they're replacing 150-plus targets. Yeah. And I guess one of them could do it. But it feels like they're all just kind of be going to kind of be just like third wide receiver, 70, 80 target guys. I don't think they're going to – it would be surprising to me if any one of those receivers in Green Bay was just like the alpha right away. Mate, Watson would be the one. Watson has the potential to be that. Watkins, I feel like they're going to try it with. He's going to burst into yeah. flames after the fifth game of the season uh, just because of injuries. But I, I don't think they are going to have an alpha this year. Let me ask you guys quickly about the Philadelphia Eagles. Just thinking about their, their broad look offseason so far. They trade for A.J. Brown. They sign Hassan Reddick. They draft Jordan Davis into Kobe Dean. It feels like that's a team right now that yeah. filled some positions of need got high-end talent at the wide receiver position. I think they have one of the best, maybe the most unique duo of number one and number two receivers in the league in terms of what Devontae Smith does and what A.J. Brown can do for that team. They still have Dallas Goddard. Um, and and what they're, they're retooling areas that they aren't necessarily needs right now. Fletcher Cox, they re-signed, brought him back. But at, that interior defensive line is going to be a, a hole in the future, and they have their future with Jordan Davis. I, I love what the Eagles have done this offseason, and now I'm going to doom your brother's favorite team, Joe, uh, by saying that I think they're going to win the NFC East. They are improving. They already were a fringe playoff contender that made it Another because... punter that's not punt god! Oh, wow. Run on punters. How is it punt god gone? Well, remember, remember, everyone from Georgia is getting drafted. Yeah, everyone weekend. from Georgia is getting drafted. Come on, um, that kicker kicked it, punted five times this year, tops. So about Matt Hackett, Matt, Matt Hack's uh, production of amount of punts, right? Roughly, yeah, just about the, the Eagles or Matt yes. Hack on a bad day. Back on the yeah. Eagles, though, like I don't think it's a stretch. I wouldn't pick them to win yeah. the NFC. So I don't think it's a stretch, though. Yeah, I think no. I'm, I'm just going to doom them because that's my curse. I think they are they're in a good spot because they are in a position to be competitive right now, especially adding AJ Brown this weekend. And I also think they recognize Jalen Hurts is a game manager. And I think they recognize Jalen Hurts is limited. He does not have the arm strength, nor does he have the physical traits, other than really his mobility, that I would say that you need out of a franchise quarterback in today's NFL. But the mobility also, yeah. is the only box he checks. But they, right, they, what they did by flipping one of their first-round picks in this year's class, giving it to New Orleans, and getting an extra first-round pick next year, they now have the draft capital next season to... Say, even if we make the playoffs this year again with Jalen Hurts, but he's, you know, he's doing it Tyrod style. He's throwing 3,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, and 10 picks, and he's just being the game and he manager. And some things on the ground right. for you. They can say after one year, we know we made the playoffs, but let's go, let's go be aggressive and get C.J. Stroud yeah. out of Ohio State. I think they have set themselves up nicely to be competitive and also know that they can replace Jalen Hurts next year. Yeah, it's a really nice place to be in, especially with how you're building your roster right now, and then you're able to reload on a rookie contract for a quarterback. That's not yeah. a bad spot to be in. It, As a matter of fact, sounds very familiar to uh, our area several years ago. So I, I like what the Philadelphia Eagles have done this offseason and what they continue to do, and They've been having a good draft weekend. I think that they're going to win the East and find a way to upgrade under center. Like, having your cake and eating it, too. Austin Gale of Pro Football Focus doing the Lord's work comparing oh, no. punts of Matt Areza and Jordan Stout. <laughs> and afterwards, he goes, yeah, I'm seeking help for tweeting this on a Saturday. Um <laughs> 
It is no of note, Jordan Stout of Penn State, inside the 20, 83% of his kicks, inside the 10, 53%, touchback 6%, average field position, the 12-yard line. For Matt Ariza, 63% inside the 20 compared to 83, full 20% swing. 27% inside the 10 compared to Austin Stout's 53%, and a touchback on 29%. His, his leg is almost too good. Um the average for field position is the 16-yard line. So something to think about uh, with punt god. Yes, we did just compare the percentages of where the ball landed uh, on two punters that are uh, going to be in this draft. So that's Reminder, the Bills had the least amount of punts in the NFL last year, by the way. That's right. Just that's right. gonna throw. They literally went important games without punting once, like the New England game. Did, did they not go? Were there three separate games where they didn't punt last year? There were three separate games, yeah. And they had the longest streak in NFL history the, the, of games without punting. And excuse me, actually, the Bills did not have the least. They had the third least. Kansas City had the least. But the Bills averaged exactly three punts per game. And the Bills were three. the first team in NFL history to not punt in a playoff game. In consecutive playoff games. Bill Belichick defense. Yeah. He's a genius. Our Facebook Live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft is brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. We're going to take a timeout on the other side. We'll take your more of your phone calls at 803-0550, We are approaching round five of the NFL Draft. The Bills will be on the clock starting in round five. Uh, it'll be a little bit while. I, I'm guessing the Bills likely aren't picking until about 2.30 Eastern. Uh, that would be my guess in the next time they pick. Unless, of course, they trade up. So stick with us here on WGR. We'll continue our, our 2022 coverage of the NFL draft here on WGR. My uncle and my dad, you know, I think I, it's a blessing to them in my life because I get to learn from the mistakes they made and the things they didn't know when I was my age. So it allowed me to mature a lot more faster than a lot of people my age, I would say. And, um, you know, I'm just so grateful for them to be in my life because they're, they're guys who tell me what not what I want to hear but what I need to hear and can critique me so uh, my dad Abram Elam and Matt and my uncle Matt Elam you know they are uh, very essential in my life and I'm forever grateful that's New Bills corner Kyer Elam their first round pick they traded up two spots to get to 23 overall to draft the Florida corner. Welcome back to our continuing coverage of the 2022 NFL draft here on WGR Nate Erie, Derek Kramer Sneaky Joe DiBiase so his, you mentioned Matt Elam had a pick six yes. against Trent Edwards. That's right. Uh, for the Bills. Love and that then for us. there's another Elam that had a moment against the Bills. No relation, though, to Kyrie Elam. Remember, he, remember the Jason kicker? Elam game? Kicker? Is that Jason Elam, the yeah. kicker for the Broncos? That's the Kevin Everett game, I think, in 05. Remember where time's expiring and the Broncos kicker, which was Jason Elam, is running on the field to kick it before time expires, like rushing out there and he kicks it to win? I don't know. My brain is sifting through a lot of depression oh. to think about that year. Uh, You're right. The, the drought has become more of a foggy memory since, yeah. since they got good. I saw a good meme the other day of um, like adult uh, gummy uh, vitamins all getting melted together and just <laughs> eating like a big chunk of gummy every day. Okay. Uh, it's kind of like what the the, the the drought. It's just all a bunch of these games are melted together, and my job is to try to figure out which game you're talking about. And the Kevin Everett game is probably not how I would describe that game because the Kevin Everett game is definitely when he broke his neck. No, that that is the Kevin Everett game. Oh, Oh, okay. That's the so same that's, game. It was against the, the it was against the Broncos. What Na- I all I remember is what I think. Nate, yeah, what I think Nate's saying is that all that really yeah. is remembered is yes, that, that that terrible. So nice moment. job for well, like, digging into I, the archives of your brain. I do remember the Bills like should have won that game and Jason Elam running on the field with like five seconds left and thinking there's no way they're gonna get this playoff and he they snap it with one second and he kicks like a fifty oh, yard man. field goal because that's how that's how it went for the Bills. I didn't know this. 
Jordan Stout, the 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 punter, the punter? that was taken from Penn State. Yeah, man bun. You can't does that be... make you want him now? No, another way. I I the the literally the worst thing that could ever happen to me is that the Bills punter had a man bun. Want another interesting pick that just went off the board? Was it New England? New England. Uh oh. With pick one thirty seven in the fourth round, Sam Hall. Oh no, is taking Western Kentucky quarterback Bailey Zapp. Over what the heck? Over Sam Howell. <laughs> Bill Belichick just over Sam Howell. You know what? He has. I think I saw him ranked as the ninth overall quarterback oh of the my class. God, I'm gonna double check that right now. But yeah, I Bailey, just want to tweet Bailey Zapp. I want to tweet how who's. Who's taking the responsibility of here, talking trash here, about Bill go. Belichick? Go ahead. It's okay. I have the I, WGR Twitter I handle. Handed, I'm just going to talk trash right I'm going to hand here. Nate my phone, and he can trash talk from my Twitter if he wants. <laughs> Bailey Zapp, New Man. England. New England just taking L's all weekend. Gotta love it. Love it. He was the third ranked quarterback by ESPN left on the board behind how, Sam Howell and Carson Strong. How are you going to stop the Bills from scoring? Bailey Zapp. They they are Steelers taking Calvin Austin. They already drafted George Pickens. Yo, Chase Claypool's done. Isn't he, he announced the pick. He announced the George Pickens pick. Yeah, that that's that's the weird part. But Awkward. there's been there's been mm, wanting to play music at practice and Mike Tomlin was basically, I mean, paraphrasing said Clay, hey, Chase, you know, shut up. Uh, I'm the coach here. And he got benched in that one game right after, at the end. Uh, there, there was the member where he didn't give the ball to the ref and he celebrated on a first down and they like cost oh, him the yeah. game. Yeah. So, he need, you know what he needs in his life? He needs a little process. Chase Claypool. He needs too, a little process. Because of the physical attributes, sky is the limit with that guy. Give him a quarterback that can throw more than five yards down the field. And I think he could be a superstar in the league. So he, I just and then, you know we got a lot of trade rumors around receivers right now. So we don't necessarily need to add another to the list. But uh, I'll throw it out there. Keep keep an eye on Chase Claypool. Keep an eye on Chase Claypool. Uh, Sam Monson tweets uh, from Pro Football Focus. Sam Howell falling behind Bailey Zapp is pretty wild. That's I would agree with that. I is a tough day for for Sam Howell his fall because there's a lot of people talking about him being a backdoor like end of the first round early second round guy. The, this quarterback class has taken a really interesting turn, at least for me. Aaron Schatz just tweeted, "I'm just throwing up my hands on this Patriots draft at this point. How on <laughs> earth does Bailey Zap help anyone do anything? Are they planning on never allowing a pass rush ever?" So apparently that's a oh he's implying God. there that Bailey Zap can't really handle a pass rush very well. Are you sure? That's what he's saying. But we're not supposed to question the magic of Belichick, the art of Sun Tzu. He did have 5,900 passing yards and 62 touchdowns last year. Oh, that's nice. It's a lot. How's that going to help when you're on the bench always? By the way, all of these guys we've talked about for receivers being available in the league, DK Metcalf maybe, Debo Samuel, we had it with Tyree Kill for a hot minute, Um, A.J. Brown, none of them have ever been a conversation for the Bills. Why? Because they can't afford to pay him. Yeah. Yeah. If, if Chase Claypool becomes available, because he's still on his rookie deal and he's still more than a year away from an extension, he's the one guy that I the dream for me for the Bills. I now the only thing I agree with that. The only thing that would be odd about that as a fit yeah. is we we've talked about not wanting someone to supplant Gabriel Davis. He would do that. Yes, he would. Not so only would that's he do the only that. part where it's an odd fit. Not only would he do that, um, 
I think McDermott wouldn't like the uh, the antics that he brings too. Yeah, he needs some process in him. You, might need, need, like, you might need some process in you, but sometimes I feel like that's just not a fit that you want to even. But like that's but, where but, but, a coach but, won't go after that player. I'm being realistic in this. Like they're not going to go after him. But his things aren't like you I know, know, I know, but off like, the field issues or like you know, look at me, guy. Like he just wanted to play music and practice. He just sounds like he wants to be in a fun work environment. I, I the Bills agree. have that. The Bills are dancing that. at practice. They are dancing. To but, me, he might mesh perfectly with what they currently have. But I do think that he is a bit of a look-at-me guy, too. Like The one play that really was uh, criticized was that Vikings game when he's yeah. signaling a big old first down, look at me, and they need to spike the ball, and they fumble the bag so badly. I, I think th- that's that's fair. That part of yeah. it is fair. So and, that's where I think like the Bills won't even pursue a guy like that because of that. I'm I'm not saying that I wouldn't like him. I'm just trying to be realistic. Is he a realistic target of someone they can go and acquire? That's fair. I, I do think it's it's interesting to even consider, though, that he would be available because George Pickens was a first-round talent that, by the way, also had his own yeah, he, personality he questions. on the field, man. Right. So there's that. And then Calvin Austin, who like lit up the combine. I know he's a fourth-round pick, so you don't want to put too much stock in it. But I'm keeping an eye on him. And then, of course, you have Deontay Johnson, who is the number one on that team. Pat, Pat, Pat Fryermuth was really good as a rookie tight end. So you've got a lot of mouths to feed on an offense that might not have an easy time feeding those mouths because... How much confidence do you have in their quarterback situation right now? How much confidence? I mean, honestly, I'd say more than last year. Maybe by a little bit. You'd still rank them bottom three or four in the in the AFC oh, in yeah. terms of their quarterback. So well, that's just the conference, less on them. Right. To me, it's just if you want these guys to develop, if you want to spread the targets around evenly, like I, I don't think all of these guys fit. It's it's yeah. at least interesting to wonder Claypool potentially being added to the list of these star receivers that, that have been on the move or I will rumored say, to be on the move. I'm, I need, more threatened, I'm more threatened by the Steelers now than I am last year. Well, yeah, because they have a quarterback who they can throw They have a quarterback who can throw yeah. more than five yards. So I need somebody to uh, to tweet out the gif uh, from Tommy Boy where he says, like, if you want me to take a dump in a box and mark it guaranteed, I, I, I got time. Some, can somebody on post it. that that gif and then just put, like, every uh, – uh, the New England Patriots – um, I don't know. Just make it make it involving the New England Patriots. I just want to use that gif somehow. Which which gif is this? Here, here you go. You know, it's this. the guarantee fairy where he's like talking where he's where he's talking about. He was like, you got to have a guarantee on the box. Oh, it's got to okay. be on the box. Uh, he says, well, I could take a dump in a box and gar- put mark a guarantee on it because I got spare time. <laughs> if you want me to take a dump in a box and mark a guarantee on it, I will. I will. I got, I got spare time. time. Uh, <laughs> the Ravens, by the way, have selected our guy Isaiah Likely, the tight end out of Coastal two Carolina. tight ends. What is up? So with are the they Ravens? just going to run three tight end sets? Welcome I... to Greg Roman offense, baby. I guess. I guess. Brevin Jordan is his comparable, who most people don't even know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Charlie Kohler out of Iowa State they picked earlier in the fourth round. So two fourth round tight ends. This this is why, to me, like trading down only has so much value. At some point, you just have so many picks, you don't even know what to do with them. The Ravens are going to run 15 personnel this year. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. Double, <laughs> double wing. We're back. They're going to run the Navy <laughs> offense right there, baby. Uh, yeah. No, right? Like three tight end sets. <laughs> like Lamar Jackson has to be going nuts. I, I I can't. Like you're going triple option right there. Like they, I make fun of the Titans for this all the time, but the Ravens and Greg Roman, that, that's his mo. They've had nine draft picks so far, and not a receiver, not a single receiver. Nine draft picks. I I would be I would be pulling my hair out if I were in Baltimore right now, pulling my hair out. And I've yet, got this. this everybody ugh. in draft Twitter just keeps 
oozing and goozing over them. No, well, I mean, it's, I mean they're I making good picks. It's just that they're missing on one position right now by not taking any of them. I have a hard time with them because on so, I, I tweeted this. On some days, I think they're the smartest team in the NFL. Other days, I think they're the dumbest team in the NFL. Yeah. Because they are very they're, – they're with the curve on a lot of the analytical game management decisions – you know, when to go for it on fourth down, when to go for two-point conversions, when to use timeouts. You know, they're very up with those. They're also with the value charts of trading down a lot usually is good for you. But then, like, they're the team that keeps Greg Roman employed for three more yeah. years and he should be employed. Right. They're the team that has Rashad Bateman and Devin Duvernay as their only two receivers. They're the team that's drafting a punter in the fourth round. Like, there are... I, I think... They get a lot of credit for being a very smart organization and a very smart coaching staff, and I think a lot of that is deserved. But, man, they do some things that, again, if I were in Baltimore, would just drive me crazy. Like, build a passing offense. At least try. Try to build a passing offense. I... They are. They're going to run five tight ends. It's going to be super cool. It's going to be fun to watch. 803-0550, the number's to call. Let's grab one phone call before we take a time. Actually, let's take a timeout because uh, I can tell I'm late right now. Yeah, look and, at you and being I'm, responsible. I'm, I'm drawing the ire of our producers, so I'm just kidding. They're, they're, they're not looking at me in any They're chilling. Uh, so we're going to take a time on either side. We'll grab some phone calls. 803-0551-888-552-550 if you want to get your thoughts in as well. Coverage of the draft on WGR is brought to you by Fecal Car and Joyce, your border attorneys, by Western New York Ford dealers, where new inventory is arriving daily, by the Health and Wellness Challenge. Visit buffalobills.com forward slash the challenge to learn more, and by New York's outlet liquor when you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. On the other side, we'll continue breaking down the 2022 NFL Draft, the fourth round getting ready to close up. We've got round five starting on the other side. You're listening to WGR. Yeah, well, it fills a need, too. Um, there were guys that we had first-round grades on that you wouldn't say is the top of our needs list. You know, if you're ranking, you know, I would say corner was at the higher end, you guys would probably say the top end at the higher end of that. So that's usually when you're going to see, if I'm going to get aggressive, it's usually when there's a value there and it fills a need. All right, that's Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean. He was talking yesterday to the media. We'll replay. We've got lots of sound to get to in the 3 and 4 o'clock hour, including Brandon Bean's press conference from yesterday. We'll hear from Brandon at some point. He'll also probably speak to the media at the end of today as well. The Bills have yet to make a day three pick. They are scheduled to be up in likely an hour or so in the fifth round um, here. And four, I'm sorry, five fourth round picks for the Baltimore Ravens. We're going to talk to uh, Chris Trapasso in the two o'clock hour as well. Get his thoughts on a lot of volume and a lot of people are seemingly loving the, the Ravens draft. I just... I don't, and I know uh, Joe and Derek all kind of feel the same way as well here. Let's go to it's, Cliff yeah, in strange. Kentucky, um, and let's get Cliff on the on the horn here who's been waiting patiently. Cliff, you're on Sports Talk Saturday. Welcome. Hey, how you guys doing? Um, a few things. I think it's awesome that the Bills, their first two picks, actually have ties to the NFL with their yep. father and their brother playing, so I think that's good for maturing early. I don't think you're going to have that little rookie-like surprise because they already know what's going on. And then, actually, Bean said the other day that they don't think they can get many free agents in because their roster is so loaded and that they might need a lot of late-round picks just for practice squad. And he says he values practice squad players. 
So I actually disagree with you guys about trading all of those six-round picks. You said you might trade three of them and keep one. We actually might use all four six-round picks. And the last thing I want to say is there's a offensive lineman from Kentucky, which I'm from Kentucky, named Kennard. And I know it's not really a need. And he's a good player. He's fallen because he's been outspoken on some issues and some topics. But he's a good player if we can just uh, look past uh, his um, his uh, comments and what he said. And I'll let you guys go. Thanks. Go Bills. Yeah, thanks for the call, Cliff. Yeah, listen, and, and the reason that we're talking about not wanting to or not using um, <clears throat> all of those six-round picks is, yes, that's right. There's value to having people on the practice squad. There's no doubt that Brandon Bean values having those guys in the practice squad. The problem is your practice squad isn't protected. So you can draft guys. Jack uh, Jack Anderson last year, the guard out of Texas Tech, he was drafted late uh, sixth, seventh round, I think. He ended up getting yanked by the Philadelphia Eagles during the season and is no longer on the team and is now on the Philadelphia Eagles. Rashad Wildgoose, same thing, drafted late in that round, uh, maybe the fifth or sixth round last year out of Nebraska. He spent training camp time here, spent time in the system, and then was picked up and taken by another team. So that's the difficult part for me is – as much as I would love to throw extra, uh, you know, extra picks and or extra players up on the practice squad, you know, them, them getting poached by other teams midseason doesn't really bring the, the same level of value as trying to use those guys instead of taking six guys or five guys, using those picks and going to get two better talents in this draft. I think makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, and the other part about that, it's a, it's a double edged sword because yes, NFL GMs are going to uh, find value in those players that won't see the field every week or even at all during a season. But at the same time, like you said, they're not protected. If a team really likes them, they're going to find their way onto someone else's roster. However, if that's how they feel like going about this draft, I'm not – this is this is fun to say because I've been making fun of Patriots fans that are doing this, but I'm kind of on the gospel of Brandon Bean. If that's what they have to do, that's what they do. I suspect that it's going to be round five when everything is really going to start happening. Like It was a pipe dream getting back into round four based on the picks that they had. It's going to be next round where we really see some aggression from them. If there's a player that they like, they can throw a couple of those six-round picks around and get themselves into round five, maybe even into the middle of it again just to find another player that they like. So I'd expect next round to be really where they're going to see some action. All right, let's take a timeout. On the other side, we'll grab more phone calls. We've got a couple open phone lines as well. 803-0550 is the number to call, so give us a shot there. one 550 is our toll-free number. A reminder that our... um that our Facebook Live coverage of the draft today and yesterday as well all week is brought to you by Northtown Automotive, our friends over at Northtown. We appreciate them and all of their uh, services here for our draft and, and taking care of us for the draft. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. We're going to take a timeout. Again, other side, more phone calls. We'll have Chris Trapasso in the 2 o'clock hour as well. So we got a lot to get to here as we continue covering the 2022 NFL Draft on WGR.